Amen. Great worship, don't you think? Amen. Next Sunday, uh, in your bulletin, you'll notice that we uh, start a new series, and uh, I'm excited about the privilege of being able to engage in that series, and it has a wonderful, wonderful title that I, I think will be a blessing uh, to all of us, and as we trust God together uh, and honor Him, uh, God will speak to us, and I'm going to deal with strongholds. And so the title of the message, uh, how many know what it is? Series. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. Let me give you the key text. The key text, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, a stronghold is a place of strength where evil is entrenched. It could be an area of stronghold. You wonder, I can never get out of a financial tailspin. That may be a stronghold. You might say that there are habits that you have that you can't seem to break. That's a stronghold. You may have a relation, relation, relational difficulty. That's a stronghold. And how do we identify that is one of the points. Week number two is this. The key text for week two is, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. I'm going to share with you in that message how to recognize the enemy as a deceiver. He comes as an angel of light. Looks good. But the reality is, underneath, he's there to seek, to kill, and to destroy you. And it's important that you understand the power of that deception. And then, of course, in week three, we're going to deal with this. What is it? It's what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Most of us will not sell our soul for any amount of money. But can I tell you something? Many of us would give it away one decision at a time. You're either building strength in your relationship, and you have those moments of revival, but then what do you do? Do you keep climbing, or do you drift back into that state of apathy? It's called discontentment, and that's a stronghold often the enemy has. Contentment is often on the auction block for our future happiness. And I'm going to believe as we get into that message to try to share with you, how do you just stay strong? How do you bind the stronghold? I am convinced in the last several months, I've been facing a stronghold. It's an attack of the enemy. I don't doubt that at all. I, I believe it. I, I began to say, hey, God, whatever is not supposed to happen just may happen. But here's what I do know. I've made a commitment to stand strong and to stay true to the best of my ability and just say, God, whatever it is you want to do, Whatever it is you're trying to teach, I've learned to say, if it be the Lord's will, amen? Lord, Lord willing, the Lord willing. Well, you got to trust that. And then we have discontentment can be circumstantial, it can be spiritual or relational. God desires for us to be content. So I pray that you'll work toward planning to be here for those three weeks as we talk about that and believe God for it. So, don't, uh, don't miss that. Tonight, don't forget to be here. God's called us together to assemble ourselves together in the presence of the Lord. Here, here's the message for today. Be aware of the Spirit's urging. 
Be aware of the Spirit's urging. Be aware of what God is trying to say to you. This morning in this message, God has a message for you. This morning, if you, if you capture your mind and keep it here for the next several minutes and not wonder what you're going to do after church and not be looking quietly at your phone or some other technological piece, you just determine, God, what are you going to say to me? God speaks to you every single day. Here's our text. I pull it out of the message version, and here it is. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole, sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup from me. But please, not what I want. What do you want? He came back and found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, you were to sleep. You went to sleep on me. Can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert and be in prayer so that you don't enter the danger zone without, without even knowing it. That's what happens when you're not paying attention. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God. But another part is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. God, we want to hear your urgings. You speak to us. God gives us warnings and gives us guidance. I was reading for the purpose of this message. There are numerous warnings. There are labels on things that you know that you read when you buy them. And I, I had a whole list of them, but I only want to share a few there was a label on a snow sled, on a snow sled. How many has ever been on a snow sled? May I see your hand? How many has never been on one? Okay, well, uh, you're going to have a chance. We're going to have snow out here uh, toward the holiday season. We have sleds. You're going to have the privilege to be able to get on one and maybe go 15 feet, okay? But here is, here's the warning. Beware, sled may develop high speed under certain snow conditions. Wow, it gets so fast. Here's another, a fishing lure. On the lure package, here was the warning, harmful if swallowed. <laughs> that could be bad. Here's another warning label found on a baby stroller. It said, listen, remove child before folding. <laughs> and finally, finally, a car sun shield that keeps the sun off the dashboard. The warning on this one was, do not drive with the sun shield in place. <laughs> I do believe that there are some that would drive better if they had the sun shield in place. I've seen them drive, etc., etc., etc. We laugh about those and we think, boy, that's foolish with such warnings. This message is a warning. This message today is from the heart and voice of God. He invited his inner circle because it's one of the most crucial moments that Jesus is facing. It is now hours before he's arrested. It's hours before he stands before Pilate. This is the hour that he actually says, God, I really don't want to do this, but your will be done. But I brought with me my best team. It's my leadership team. It's Peter, James, and John. And Lord, I know I need them. And he brought them together with him to pray 
It was a magnitude of a moment that they did not grasp. Oh, it would have been different if he was said, I'm going to make a victory speech because we want a, a great victory today, and I want you boys to go with me. Or, hey, guys, I've got to appear over the Vatican, and I, I'm about to get on my jet, and I want you three to get on my private plane, and let's fly together to that. Or, hey, I, I have box seats in the best uh, World Series game that we've ever seen, Peter, James, and John. I want you to go enjoy this. Oh, boy, they would have revved up their engines and said, let's go. Boy, what a privilege it is that he chose us to do this. But here's what he did. He said, I, I need you. I'm going to pray. Oh, let's don't get too excited over that. Jesus had gone to pray many times before. His life was a prayer life. He had gone away from the disciples on numerous occasions, and they missed it. They took it for granted. But here's what I know, that in your heart of hearts, it's a place, it's a GPS system that God connects with to give you guidance and to give you direction in your life. And God said, I want to speak to you every single day. You might be walking along in the grocery store and God causes you to run into someone and you think it might be an accident. And God says it's not. I just want you to give that person a handshake. I want you to give them a few dollars. I want you to just let them know how much you appreciate them and make them feel special. But I don't have time. I've got a list. I've got to get out of here. Listen, God does that all the time. It may be while you're in church this morning and when service is over, you see someone that you haven't seen in a while. And oh my gracious, they hold you in the highest esteem. And you didn't know that they would appreciate just a smile from you. Or it just may be you're going through a trial or a test or a difficulty. And the enemy's pounding on you as an angel of light telling you to give up and begin to complain and begin to murmur. And God is saying, oh no, don't fall for that. Stand strong in Jesus' name. Warnings are everywhere. We know that that's what happened at Pearl Harbor, December the 7th of 41. It was a typical Sunday morning. Many offices that day were closed. Many soldiers were on leave. And of course, something unusual happened and they didn't catch it. Oh yeah, a new radar system had been, uh, had been placed at Opana Point and was manned. It was supposed to catch any air traffic. It was supposed to catch anything in the sea. And it was functioning. And there were people that were there. And they looked on it and said, oh, you look at that mass amount of planes. They were Japanese planes, but they didn't drive down a state. Somebody said, oh, we got some planes coming in from the mainland this morning, but nobody checked it out. One of our destroyers went outside the harbor doing maneuvers and all of a sudden noticed a, a Japanese submarine trying to sneak into Pearl Harbor. They fired on it. They reported it, but nobody did anything about it. It was only a matter of time. The first plane, you could hear it. The bombs were dropped and the dives were made. And that day, 2,335 military personnel were killed along with 1,143 that were wounded, not to mention the civilian. Oh, they had the warnings. They saw it, but nobody moved on it. Come go pray with me. Just pray. Don't let your life get into routineness to the degree that you are not poised for God to be able to speak to you at any given time. Do not let your life get to the place that you don't hear God speak to you every day. God said, I want to send you opportunities. I want to send you privileges. I want to use you. And we know that sometimes some take advantage of it. 
And how wonderful is that? And others don't pay any attention to it. We, of course, unless God is speaking to you and you're being poised for greatness in following God, your life can become status quo. It become dull and boring. And wow, God is saying, in a time when America needs you, when America and the culture is so full of sin and hatred and bitterness, God needs his church to be vibrant and to be strong and to be powerful. God needs you with a fresh new anointing to say to the devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me and mean it. And the enemy knows that person has anointing and power and has to do something that ordinarily he would not do, my friend. When you come through the fire and you are beat up and you are scratched up and you're pushed aside, that's your best moment to say, God, I know you're up to something here. There must be something going on in the heavenlies out there that you don't want me to enjoy, but I will not back up. I'll not shut up until I go up to see the will and purpose of God accomplished. If you believe it, say amen, somebody. How wonderful is that? Come go with me to pray. What was it that happened to them? What was it? You see, we can look at their experience and we can learn for it from it if we pay attention. Say, God, but I I want to prosper. Well, here's what old Joshua said. He said it in Joshua 1 verse number 8. Hey, God will make your way successful and prosperous. I like that, don't you? God, I'm looking for success. I want to be prosperous, etc. I want to have influence. He says, if you seize the opportunity that comes your way. You'll have those things in the spiritual realm that will come your way if you decide, I'm going to seize the opportunity. God, God's speaking to me right now. I had one person this morning during the fellowship time the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I've been talking with them on the phone and et cetera. But during the fellowship time, the Holy Spirit gave me a, a word. I'm not some wacko. Well, God, I need a word. I need a word. Let me tell you, get into the word of God and you'll get plenty of word right there. Amen. You don't have to have some situation come along and somebody say, yea, I say unto thee, thou thus this, that, and the other. It's all good. Get in this word. But the Holy Spirit spoke going through a separation, and I said to her, everything's going to be okay. I'm here to tell you, and I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, press into Jesus, grab hold of the garment, get yourself more spiritually pure, get yourself in the altar. This is someone who doesn't understand pressing in, but learn to love Jesus in an intimate way like you've never known him before. As you do that, here's what will happen. You'll you'll begin to see God turn hardened, cold hearts around for his honor and his glory. Somebody say amen. She wept and wept and wept and wept seizing the opportunity. Do you think she left here hanging on to those words? Absolutely. Do you believe that you have the same power and ability? Seize the opportunity. Someone has said, learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. Say yes to the best. What happened to them? You see, what was the purpose of Jesus taking the disciples with him to pray? Let's just peek in for a moment in the Scripture. Here we go, Mark 14, 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said, the disciples sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and who? John along with him. And he began to be, here it is. This is Jesus' condition for the moment. 
he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. You've been there? Deeply distressed and troubled. So he says, my three top tier leaders, Peter, James, and John, come with me. Was it because that he needed them? Well, that prayer support certainly meant a lot or he never would have called them together. But I can tell you, there's another reason. Was it because he was afraid? No, no fear resided in the heart of Jesus, the Son of God. Was it because he didn't know how to pray? He had a lot of practice. Listen, friend, you can tell when a person is praying in private by what you hear them pray in public. Amen? Did you hear me? You know the difference. That person, because when you practice in private and you hear them pray in public, you'll know that person has been in touch with God before right here and right now. It pours out. And God said, find a place to pray. There are many answers to these questions, but I have an answer that I think is fitting. And I believe the Holy Spirit, it was a test for all three of those individuals, for Peter, James, and John. You see, if you expect to live a Christian life that is devoted to intimacy in God, you can expect to be tested. I said, if you expect to have intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit, you can expect to be tested. Amen? And when the tests come, be careful how you respond to it. How did Jesus respond to it? I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to have to put up with it. But nevertheless, not what I want. Thy will be done. I'll go even to the cross of crucifixion if that's what you will. You know what God will do? He'll put a tag of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you and will guide you through all the tests that are there. And we know that. Why? Jesus knew that his time was short. They didn't. Jesus, of course, knew that these were his three leaders. They didn't quite grasp it. They fought about the leadership position, but when the test came, they failed. And then we know that they were the benefactors. Who's Jesus going to pass his ministry to the church off to? These individuals and the other disciples, Peter, James, and John. Jesus took them to test their abilities, to discern spiritual opportunities, and to test their willingness to grasp the multitude and magnitude of the situation. Where are you at? Where are you at right now in your walk with God, in your passion, in your commitment? Have you made mistakes? If you have, say, I do. Have you faltered? Say, I have. Have you sinned? Say, oh, yes. But let me tell you, are you redeemed? Say, amen. amen. You live by the redemption I found out that when you live by the redemption, God gives us, it's an amber alert or a silver alert. So Lord, whoever that is needing help, give it to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give an example. Saul anointed, or pardon me, Samuel out of 1 Samuel, the ninth chapter, was a young boy dedicated by his mom to serve in the temple. And I'll give you his call in a moment. But now he is the priest. He is the priest. The people of God have cried out because they're just blind. We want a king like the Amorites. We want a king like the Philistines. 
And God said, I'm your king. I'm your right hand. I am your voice. But they said, oh, no. We know that you delivered us, and we know that you cast plagues down on Pharaoh, but we want a real king that can sit on a real throne. God said, hey, I love you enough. You're going to learn a lesson. And so we found out that that person that God had chosen was Saul. But how do you find him? So we know that Saul's father had donkeys, and they were loose and, 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 and wandered away. And so his father said, Saul, take a servant and go find those donkeys. They were going hours and hours and hours. The day before that, God spoke to Samuel, who is the priest of Almighty God. This time tomorrow, you're going to see the person I want you to anoint as king of Israel. And so it was. Samuel is looking. He's listening. He goes into the city. There is a big uh, uh, feast that's going to take place, and he's there. And Saul turns to his servant and said, hey, we've been looking and looking and looking. It's time to go home. Tell dad we couldn't find them. And the servant apparently had a heart from God. And he said, oh, no, master, there is a man in the city that can tell us What's going on? Saul said, really? All right, let's go. They went into the city and asked around as they got near and said, where's the man of God? They said, well, he's headed to a dinner. If you get to him, maybe he can help you. Saul and that servant, not really understanding Saul, what he was doing was headed up to the banquet room and Samuel came down and met them. And God spoke to him and said, anoint him. He took them to the banquet, put them at the head of the table and said, you're going to enjoy the meal with me. And then after that, he took the whole bottle of oil and poured it on Saul, ran down his beard. And God called him at that moment. Now, what about the servant? He listened. What about Saul? Have you ever done something and you thought, I don't, I didn't really pray about it, but I'm doing it. And I I made the right decision, and I didn't even know that I was making the right decision, and well, it turned out okay. You see, when you are, somebody said to me the other day, it was a professional, said, well, a good luck. I stopped dead cold right there. I said, wait a minute. I know what you're saying. I understand what you mean when you say luck. But listen, luck is an abomination to God. I'm not directed by luck. I'm directed by an anointing of the Holy Spirit for the footsteps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. Enough about luck. I want people to say, it was God. Amen? Absolute God. It was God. It is God. And so it is. He's anointed. You see, the more that we serve Christ, the more that we grow in His Word and we become more productive in spiritual fruit. And absolutely nothing comes our way if we're not in tune with God's Spirit. If you're not in the Word, if you're not praying, if you're not listening every day, God, today, you're going to direct my path. You listen carefully. God will do that. Eternal opportunities often are those things that stretch you, that try you, but always bring glory and honor to, the God, uh, to God. Trust is denying unbelief. Second thing, what was it? Why did they fail to do as he asked. Come go with me to pray. Well, they didn't know. Oh yeah, they did. They could have known in a greater way had they just prayed. 
That's the word. Come pray with me. Don't come sleep on the outside while I'm praying. Come just take up space. Come just warm your hand by the fire. I need you to come pray. Now let me tell you what God is saying to the church today. Rise up, church, and bind the power of darkness and begin to live the kind of life as a church, as a conquering church, a church that is an overcoming church, a church that is strong in the light, casting it into the darkness, declaring the love and the power of Jesus Christ who is on His throne and nothing moves without Him. That's the message of the church. That's the message. Why? Why did they fail? Then he returned to his disciples and he found them what? He found them what? Sleeping. Sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? He failed because they didn't realize the importance. Listen, God's speaking to some of you today. God's going to speak to all of you. But somebody's life can be dramatically changed if you're paying attention. Your life can be dramatically changed if you listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. Somebody in your family that is sick may be healed because of your prayer. Well, remember Samuel? He anointed Saul. Well, let's talk about how he wound up being the priest. His mother Hannah prayed and prayed and prayed. His father Elkanah could not, could not have children, seemingly a child, a child. So she prayed and prayed and prayed, God, I, I, I can't have children and I, I want a child so desperately. They, she went to the temple and they thought she was drunk and God gave her a promise and this was the commitment she made to God. If you give me a child, a male child, I'll take that child and I'll place him in the temple and dedicate him to the temple for his life. She raised him to the point that he was a a little kid. And then one day came when she and her husband took little Samuel to the temple. Eli was the priest. He was not in tune. His sons were not in tune. He He did not train his children. He let them go with no boundaries. They were an evil influence. And she knew it, but she did what she told God she would do. And one night while Samuel is asleep, he's in 10, 12 years of age. He lies over in his room and God speaks, calls him by name. He gets up, he goes to Eli and he says, well, what is it? Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed, son. He went again. A third time he went, but this time Eli's heart was pricked. He realized somebody's speaking and it must be God. Son, go back, lay down. If you hear the voice again, Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went back, laid down, and sure enough, the fourth time, God's voice spoke. And Samuel responded, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God gave instruction to Samuel about Eli and his household and the future kingdom of God. Are you quiet enough? And silent enough that you can hear God when he speaks. Sometimes God speaks to you through a friend. Sometimes God always speaks through the message. God will speak through his word. God will speak through an incident. 
or circumstance and say, this didn't just happen. God is able to do that, but if you're not in tune and you're asleep, you won't know what's going on. Why did they fail? They weren't focused on the reality of the moment. Why did they fail? Because they were not spiritually in tune. This was routine for Jesus. Go pray. He's gone to pray before. My gracious, we get a little moment without the others. They weren't sensitive to the needs of the Lord. Well, they were encumbered with that present and encumbered with the temple. Peter said, I need a nap. I haven't slept in a long, long time. This, this schedule is grueling. It's time to get a nap. They were not watching with intensity. And the reality is, apathy was their posture. Let me tell you about our nation. Our nation is asleep as it relates to spiritual issues. Our nation for a number of years has sat back and the church as well. We think it's greater to say, oh, yeah, we're just letting the church do what culture dictates. We just let that because nobody, hey, you don't just, nobody, forsake not the assembling of yourselves on the Lord's day. Let's make it as easy as we can on the people of God so they'll participate in the will of God. You know what they did in the new church? They met every single day and took everything they had and put it on the altar. If we ever get to the place that we say, God, I need more comfort instead of more sacrifice, we will lose the battle. It's like giving your child everything they need and you never make them work for it. You will raise a spoiled child. Understand that value. Apathy will set in. Here's what the writer in John 3.15, or Revelation 3.15, I know your deeds, Jesus is speaking. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. That was the church at Laodicea. I can promise you opportunities will come in many different ways, but they can only be seen if we're paying attention and listening to Almighty God. Number three, what did they miss because of their failure? Have you ever thought about what could have been had you been more obedient 10 years ago? Have you ever thought about what could have been had during your teenage years you'd have been on fire for God instead of doing so many things that you had no business doing even as a church kid? You ever thought about what it might have been like if you and your, your spouse when you first got married and sort of caving in and putting everything out there and said, I don't love you anymore and let's split up. And you ever wonder what life could have been had you been maybe a little more faithful? You ever wonder what life could have been had you raised your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? So that they understood church and spiritual issues were the most important thing and not so much all the activities they're engaged in. What it could have been like. God is saying, church, come go with me on a journey that may seem routine. But go with me on a journey that's going to challenge every fiber of your being. Go with me on a journey that's going to cause you not only to declare, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Go on a journey that says, God, whatever it is you want, here it is. I, I give it up. Here's what he said. The spirit is willing, 
but the body is weak. He asked Peter that question, found him taking his nap. Couldn't you watch for an hour? You see, learn to watch and observe the opportunity. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there it is in every situation of your life. How often does your carnal body, how often does your decision-making process for the here and now overrule the spiritual sacrifice and the temporal wins out and the eternal is not observed enough? How often is that? Don't let your children grow up and can't even quote John 3.16. Don't let your children what, learn or understand what the priorities are. And it has nothing to do with commitment to the church and the kingdom of God. Don't let that happen. Don't let your business, even though successful, get to the place. That you say, well, my business... My business is more important. I can't do anything to the church because I'm just working all the time. Well, let me tell you what the will of God is. God says a segment of your time belongs to him. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It belongs to him. One of the things I admire about Chick-fil-A, how many know what it is? They made a commitment and they've stood by it all of those years. And they still stand by it today. Some of the sweetest young people, I think the best kids of moral character is those who work at Chick-fil-A. They are the best. Many of our kids here in the church do because that principle is a part of it. Several hours, Peter was tested after that. Peter didn't know had I spent time in prayer. And when it came time, someone accused him, hey, aren't you with Aren't you with that group of individuals? Oh, no, not me. Not me, not me. Three times he denied, even knowing the Lord. What could have been the difference had Peter, Peter really dug in and prayed just hours before? Could it have prepared him for a divine anointing of God that he could see things supernaturally that ordinarily he couldn't see because he spent time in prayer? You see, the Holy Spirit is always willing to sustain and empower and work through us and mature us and energize us. Does that mean that we're perfect all the time and don't make mistakes? Absolutely not. If you are forward progress, you're going to make mistakes. But if you sit on the porch, my friend, away from all the fry of difficulty, all you're going to have is a rocking chair that will wear out. You'll be immature in the first lie that comes along. You will die as a result of it. Get out there and roll your sleeves up and say, God, there's a giant out here somewhere and I am the anointed one to take it down by the grace of God. If you speak, I'm going. I'm going by the grace of God. Delta Ryan in the ministry that God has given her, raise your hand, Delta. And Mike is the reason why. Raise your hand, Mike. God spoke to her on her ministry. How many of you know what the name of her ministry is? Hello? What is it? Take a hike. Take heart. I've been with them a while. She didn't want anything to do with missions. She didn't want anything to do much to, of anything that would reach out, especially a missionary in some foreign country. But I say this little bit of 
I'll say this in, in yard talk. The Lord just kind of whipped her patoot a little bit. How's that? If it was lawn talk, I would have said it a little differently. What God do? I'm going to run you through the sifting mesh to figure out. But today, take heart is alive and well. And take heart is influencing our community. And take heart, like many other ministries, is touching widows and orphans and giving them food and clothing and education. You just say, well, what about the rest of the world? She's not, she's not called to the rest of the world. She's called to the place where God has called her. And she's saying, God, that's my focal point. She might be called later somewhere else. But here's what I know. Find you somewhere. Focus in, lock in, and give it everything you got by the grace of God. Let him speak to you, friend. Let him speak to you. I'm a sick man. I shouldn't be preaching so hard. Let it happen. God will reward you as we trust him. A little boy, he was a Middle Eastern kid. He was dark-complected back in the late 60s, in that area in the middle 60s. He went to Sunday school at First Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. He was there every Sunday. The people that gave him watch, care, had him there every Sunday. Three solid years. Learning scripture, memorizing. Nobody paid any attention. I mean, back then in San Antonio, Texas, you didn't pay much attention to little Middle Eastern kids. Well, he quit going when he could. Because nobody reached down and really grabbed his hand and took him. So let me take you beyond where you're at now. 24 years of age. He was filled with so many lies and so much deception. That Sirhan Sirhan at 24 shot and killed Robert Kennedy. Because no one saw the potential. And he sat right there in Sunday school for three years. Is it possible that God could have spoken to someone to say, take him under your wing? Is it possible someone overlooked the fact that he was Middle Eastern? He did not have the kind of family that ordinary kids in that Sunday school class has. You see, what I'm trying to suggest to you, God's call for you today is come go with me. Peter, James, and John, but he's saying to you, come go with me. I don't know where you're going, God. If it's just to pray, I'm there. Often he doesn't say, come go with me. I've got my private jet. And we're going to go and give a pep speech to somewhere across the country. You guys, come on, let's enjoy the jet ride together. No. Come let us pray. God, whatever it is you want to do, do it. I pray that we'll be alert and that we'll not be afraid and get too comfortable. And I pray that we will not fail to see the Holy Ghost potential in each of us today. Would you stand, Father, in your magnificent name? There is no other name like the name of Jesus. And we learn now from this situation with Peter, James, and John. Well, they had argued, some of them, James, of course, and his brother had argued about having a place on the right hand of Jesus and being being there and being kind of first in line. 
But Jesus gave them each an opportunity and said, you three, you come go with me. It seemed, it seemed like routine. It seemed like, well, it's an invitation. It seemed like, well, no special privileges here. The Holy Spirit is walking up and down the aisles of this sanctuary right now. And in the homes of those of you listening online, listen to me, those of you out there. The Holy Spirit is right where you are, and he's about to speak to you. Do not turn that message off. He's about to speak to you. And as the Holy Spirit moves here, I believe with all of my heart that he has something to say to you as an individual. Are you listening? He has something to say and say, I want to give you an encouragement. I I need your hand here. I need you to accept this responsibility. Or maybe it is, I just need you to be still and to pray a little more than you're praying. And let me give you a list of those things to pray for. God, I'll go, I'll do, I'll be. What do you have to say? The invitation is here. You may be facing a mountain, but God will not let you take that mountain down until you're obedient in the simple things. And this is a moment that gives you a move in the right direction. It just may be you've been laboring under duress and distress and you wonder, God, I've given it everything I've got. And like Saul said to his servant, we need to get back to the house. We can't find them. And the servant said, oh, no, there is a man who can tell us. Let's just go there. But the Holy Spirit is saying to you, listen up. Look what God is about to do. But it will take your act of obedience You can choose to stand solidly like concrete right where you are. But if the Holy Spirit right now as we say, is saying, hey, slip into that altar of nothing more. Make yourself available. Say, I'm listening to God. God, speak to me. Be that obedient. And here's what will happen. You will begin to see the shackles of darkness fall away, the blindness fall away. You'll begin to see the clouds of sunshine that will come your way and the dark clouds will dissipate simply because God said, I was ready for you to move and you listened and here we go. If you need God to do it, you come right now and then we're gonna give the benediction as we sing. Let's go together, everybody. Slip down to this altar. Here we go.
We're going to sing it one more time, but I want to speak to you. In that moment of praise and worship, let me tell you, some of you in this room are having problem with real estate. Real estate, either purchase or selling, or your home is in much need of repair and it's bugging you. Slip onto this altar, the second thing. Some of you are worried about your job, the lack thereof. You're worried about the salary, you're worried about the income, and it really is working you over. We're gonna sing it again. And if God tugs your heart, you come and surrender, and God will, in His name, reward your surrender. Here we go, one more time. One more time, sing it. Holy Spirit, you are well. Come flood this place, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, your glory. God is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, God. that came for prayer just slip your hand up until someone gets with you they're coming some are praying over here just keep your hand up until someone gets with you all of our leadership small group leaders some of you are coming forward to help us here please don't hesitate here we go not been praying you slip your hand up just keep it there we have several here yet there you go anyone else we're waiting. Still some here have not been prayed for. Okay. Some here have not been prayed for yet. We need prayer. We need support. That's right. Dive in. Help us out. Here you go. So I'm assuming for ones, it's right here. Right here. I want you to raise your hand out there. All of us surrendering, our hands raised. God, we hold our hands up surrendering to you. The innermost being of who we are. There's some here that are not even comfortable raising their hand because it's not the tradition, the way that they're raised. But they're not standing in their tradition today. They're standing in the holy presence of God, in the Son of God, who the Holy Spirit is requesting surrender yourself so God help them to slip at least a hand up of surrender I pray now because I know that there are couples in this room that are struggling in their home and marriage and it is big time I crush the enemy's head and I declare that the enemy of division shall be broken and that the stubbornness of heart will evaporate and the humility of heart will take control. I pray in the name of the Lord that you would do that now. I pray for those who responded initially, whatever their needs are, they surrendered initially, God. So reward them according to your word. 
I pray for those in your name as it related to real estate, something pricked in their heart or their job or their income. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are the giver and you are the taker. So Father God, I pray you would open the doors that men have tried to close. I pray that you will prepare a path forward where man has placed a dead end sign. God pave a new road right on through that and bring to pass a divine destiny on those individuals. And God, we know that we're not here just as a meeting of church. We are here in the name of Jesus Christ, hanging on to the Son of God who desires to rule and is the King of our universe today. So I pray we will leave here and know that we have been touched by the magnanimous presence of the anointing of Jesus Christ and that our lives are not our own, that we function under that anointing and send us back into that darkness to declare the glory of God, the glory of the Lord. We claim now as we honor you and our praise and our worship, you'll give everyone a great afternoon and when the time comes to say it's time to go to church, God, it will just get everything together and come on back for more worship. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Love on somebody before you leave. Amen. God bless.